You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Well, we're in week number seven of a series that we've called Church on the Move. Uh, And this is uh, kind of out of character for us that we're doing a series like this. Typically what we do at Revolution Church, about 95% of the time, is we go verse by verse through entire books of the Bible or large passages of Scripture. What we've done in this series is we've really had just a lot of standalone sermons uh, that are really about the vision and why we're doing what we're doing at Revolution Church. Uh, We know that moving is tough. And we are quite literally a church on the move that is moving from one location to another location. And if you've ever moved a house, moved a business, moved anything, you know it is stressful when you move. So we're doing our vision. Uh, We're motivating you because we don't want uh, you guys to forget why we're doing this and what we're all about in the midst of all these changes and everything that is taking place. Uh, The name of my sermon today It's kind of interesting, but it's going to make sense once I give you the uh, reason for it. The name of the sermon is The Four Calls. Now, this is a message that uh, I actually put together several years ago, and I haven't preached it in a while, and it's an updated version. And everything I say in it, I still 100% believe today. You know, I heard a story about these two young men. Um, their names were Brandon and Alex, and uh, I don't know why that's important, but that was their names. And uh, one day... They decided to go fishing together, but they were going to go ice fishing. Ice fishing. So they got their portable ice fishing tent. They got all their gear, uh, and they went to where they found some ice, and they cut a hole in the middle and started fishing, and they hear this voice from above say, there are no fish here. So they think to themselves, wow, that's weird. So they moved their tent over to another part of where the ice was. They cut a hole in the middle. They start to fish. They hear another voice that says, there are no fish here. Well, Brandon, being the older of the two, uh, says, God, is that you? The voice says, no, this is the skating ring operator. There are no fish here. Get out of here. You know, Jesus said that we are supposed to be fishers of men. It's one of the main commandments we have as a church and as Christians that after we get saved, Uh, We're to go out into the world and we're to try to reach as many people as we can. Well, I believe that the church, especially in America, has really forgotten this calling to be fishers of men for the most part. If you poll most people, whether it's Revolution Church or any church, most of them, if you ask them, have you shared your faith with anyone uh, in the last week, they would say no. Have you shared your faith with anyone in the last month? No. Have you shared your faith with anyone outside of church, of course, in the last uh, 10 years? Many people would say no. So my prayer through this sermon is that God would give us two things. A burden and a boldness. A burden, here's the definition of a burden. It literally means a heavy load. Or it can mean the main responsibility for achieving a specific task. In layman's terms, as a Christian, a burden means when God burdens you with someone that most likely does not know Jesus and you cannot get them off your mind. You're having dreams about them. You're thinking about them. You, 
You just can't get them off your mind, this idea that this person will not meet Christ and one day will die and will go to hell for eternity. It could be something that keeps you up at night. It could be your mother. It could be your father. It could be your kids. It could be your brother. It could be your sister. It could be a co-worker. It could be a best friend. But a burden is absolutely needed if we are going to reach people. Because the charge we have is to go into the world and reach the world. And let's be honest, Rev Church, it's easy to get distracted. We've got life going on. We've got sports going on. It's football season right now. What's coming around the corner after that? All kinds of different sports distractions. We've got relationships that keep us distracted. Religion can mess us up when it comes to reaching people with the gospel. And if religion gets in the mix, dead religion gets in the mix, it can really repel more people than it brings in. Well, I believe, Reb Church, that we've been given an incredible opportunity corporately as a church together. And over the next two weeks, God has given us a natural way for us to go fishing together and reach people. It's time for us to go fishing. And what we got to remember when we go fishing is that the Bible tells us there are four calls, four reasons that we're supposed to go fishing. The first call is what I call the call from above. The call from above. It can be found in, cha- in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. This is also known as the Great Commission. When Jesus says this to his disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the marching orders of our commander and chief, Jesus Christ. When he leaves and goes to heaven, he looks at us and he says, Go reach the world and I'm going to be with you whenever you go reach them. I don't know about y'all, but I really believe that I am so blessed to live in what I believe is the greatest nation in the world. I really, really do. God has blessed America, and by His mercy and His grace, um, I'm allowed to live in the United States of America. He could have decided uh, uh, with His sovereignty to put me in the middle of somewhere where I was starving to death and had no parents and had no opportunities, but I live in America. And when I was young, and I think they still do this in schools, Uh, Every single morning, we used to stand up, put our hand over our heart, and look at an American flag and say, the pledge of what? The pledge of allegiance. This pledge that we gave that showed the allegiance that we had to the country that God allowed us to live in. Uh, Before every single sporting event, we sing the Star-Spangled Banner. And the Star-Spangled Banner is an anthem of appreciation that we sing corporately together Because we get to live in the United States of America. Well, what Jesus is saying with this call from above in Matthew 28 is, Jesus is asking us to make a statement of commitment with our lives. A pledge of commitment with our lives, if you will. He's asking us to be identified and associated with Him. To corporately, together and individually, uh, sing Sing an anthem, so to speak. And that anthem is 
Jesus is awesome, the gospel is awesome, and everyone needs to hear it and needs Christ. The gospel is our anthem. So we are going to answer this call from above. Secondly, there's a call from below. And of all four calls I'm going to explain to you today, this is the one that probably messes with me the most. That if I was going to make an entire sermon out of one of these calls, it would be this one, the call from below. In Luke chapter 16, there's a very familiar passage of Scripture uh, that if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard preached on before. Typically, when pastors preach on the subject of hell, they'll point to a story that Jesus told in Luke 16 about a beggar named Lazarus and someone known as the rich man. Uh, because this story gives us uh, some pretty strong details about the reality of this place called hell, this place that people go that don't accept Christ for eternity uh, after they die. Well, if you know the story, to give you a quick synopsis of it, there's a man named Lazarus who's a beggar who's saved, and then there's a rich man who's not saved. Lazarus has nothing in this world. The rich man has everything in this world. And the rich man doesn't offer to help Lazarus at all. Well, they both die. Lazarus goes to heaven uh, to be with God. And the rich man goes to hell. Well, there's a scripture that talks about what the rich man says when he's in hell. What he actually says to Abraham and Lazarus when he's in hell. It says, then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him, asking to send Lazarus, to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. The rich man in hell is begging, begging for heaven to send someone to his loved ones that are still on earth to warn them about hell. This passage messes with me. It makes me wonder things like, are there more people that are suffering in hell for eternity that are more concerned about evangelism on this earth than there are people in the church that are Christians that are concerned about evangelism on this earth? It's a question we should struggle with. We really need to grab a hold of this call from below. See, we got to understand, church, that it is too late to have a burden after this life. One day when we go to heaven, one of the things that we are not going to be able to do is win souls, is tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they'll get saved. You walk around on streets of gold in heaven and ask everybody, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Everybody's going to say, uh, yeah, I know him. I know the gospel because everybody's going to be saved. And so it's too late to have a burden once we're out of here. I heard a preacher say once, you know, if there was a fire and I didn't warn you about it, what kind of fireman would I be? Uh, if there were criminals that were going to rob you down an alley and I was a policeman and I didn't warn you about it, what kind of policeman would I be? If you had a disease, let's say you had cancer, and I was a doctor that knew you had this disease, what kind of doctor would I be if I withheld that information from you? Well, if we claim to be Jesus followers, and we don't warn people about the reality of hell, if we don't grab a hold of this 
call from below. If we don't offer the life-giving gospel to the people that God has put in our lives, what kind of Jesus followers are we? Call from below. Thirdly, there's a call from within. A call from within. Listen to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is in the context of Jesus giving us uh, the Great Commission. Listen to what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria. And then just in case you're an extreme literalist when it comes to the scriptures and you're like, I'm glad I don't live in the Middle East. He's got us covered everywhere. And to the ends of the earth. You know, when it comes to the Holy Spirit giving us power, the Greek word when it says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite or dynamic. And many people like to say we have power from the Holy Spirit to have all kinds of spiritual gifts, which is true. We have power from the Holy Spirit to to have miracles take place, which is true. But understand that the first time Jesus uses this phrase, you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. A dynamic power. A power that is like dynamite in your lives. It is in the context of giving us the Great Commission. It's in the context of saying, you will have power from the Holy Spirit when you go try to reach people in my name. When you try to spread the gospel, one of the most intimidating, one of the hardest things that you can do is try to tell people about Jesus, but don't worry because the Holy Spirit is going to give you a dynamic power in order to do this. You know, if we're honest, it's easy for us to lose our burden for people. It's easy for us to forget that we have this power from the Holy Spirit. It's easy to lose your passion uh, when you've been in church for a while. When you first get saved, you're all fired up, but at some point, it kind of gets common. You lose your zeal. You you can lose your hunger for God. You can lose your burden for people. In the culture we live in, it's easy to lose your passion and get distracted. If I'm being honest with you guys, the culture we live in in America when I look around, the majority of it makes me angry. I get, a, I believe, a righteous indignation about some of the things that we see going on around us. When I, when I click on something that's asking me my gender and there's options like non-binary, when I hear about kids going to children's hospital and they look at kids that are 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old and ask them, what gender do you identify with? It makes me angry. And that's a righteous indignation. It's okay to have those things. But what we cannot do is we can't let that anger bleed over into abusing people that are lost. Lost people act lost, y'all. They need Jesus. They're blind, as the Bible puts it, to their trespasses and their sins. And what gets them into the kingdom is the way that we love them. It's the way that we love them. We're never going to argue people into heaven. We're going to love people into heaven. 
in the New Testament, we just did a sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount, and we talked about this passage that talked about how God's people, he describes them as salt. In our context today, we know that the main function that salt has in our context, because we have refrigeration, so uh, not too many of us use salt anymore in order to uh, keep uh, meats good and things like that for several days. But salt, the main function it has for us is it makes us thirsty. It's why they put peanuts at a bar, because you'll order another drink. It's why they add so much salt in foods when you're eating out, is because you'll drink one more Diet Coke, right? And so salt makes people thirsty, and that's what the church is supposed to do. Love people. They'll know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was in Pastor Brandon's office at the movie theater, the new facility, and... uh, his wife, Michaela, was there, and uh, his two little girls, uh, uh, Georgia and Daisy, were there. And Georgia is really just started walking around, sort of wobbling around. And uh, Daisy is a go-getter man. She goes 100 miles an hour. Uh, she's in that stage where she's just running all over the place and going. And Daisy had a donut, and it was a chocolate donut. It was a, it was a yeast donut, a plain yeast donut with chocolate frosting on it and sprinkles on it. And I looked at Daisy and I said, can I have your donut? And it was so funny because she looked at me and said, you can have one sprinkle. And it was hilarious because it was like, I want the donut, but you're giving me one sprinkle. But really, that was a compliment because as you watched Daisy, the only thing she was eating on the donut was the sprinkles. That's her favorite part. Now, if you actually look up sprinkles and find out like do sprinkles on most donuts add any flavor they're really just sugar so it's not that they add any flavor but for some reason if you had a plain donut and a sprinkled donut you want the sprinkled donut why because it makes the donut look more appetizing guys we're not the donut we're not the main course jesus i know this is really weird but this is a food example and this is how we roll at rep church Jesus is the donut, right? We're just the sprinkles on the donut that he allows people to see to make them want to pick that donut, if that makes sense. It's like salt making people thirsty. We're the sprinkles that make people want the donut. That's what we do. And so we we answer this call from within, and we go love people. And we reach people for Jesus. Finally, the fourth call is the call from without. It's the call from without. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that God has set eternity in the hearts of every single human being. In other words, if you're not saved, at some point in your life, you've thought to yourself, what's going to happen to me when I die? Is it really all over? Do I go somewhere else? Every major religion deals with the issue of what happens to someone when they pass away on this earth and they die. It's the call from without. People that are wondering what's going to happen. Another way to put this could be the cry of the lost. People that are all around us that are trying in every way they can, every way they can think of to find fulfillment, to find purpose in this life and the next. 
whether it's through sex, whether it's through drugs, whether it's through entertainment, whether it's through money, whether it's through success, whether it's through followers on social media, whether it's through a false religion. The cry of the lost, a call from without. I'm telling y'all, if you'll slow down, if you'll put your phone down, if you'll talk to people, if you'll listen to people, if you'll see things with spiritual eyes and put that filter on, you will absolutely hear the cry of the world. It's blind. It's dumb. And it is in need of hope. It's in need of hope. It's important for us to talk about two words when it comes to evangelism. I'm getting ready to teach you what these two words mean when it comes to sinfulness, commission, and omission. There was a Sunday school teacher one time that had a bunch of little kids in her Sunday school class, and she said, she said, okay, I've got a test for y'all. I'm going to ask y'all this. Does anybody in here know what the sin of commission is? One little girl raised her hand and said, yeah, I know what that is. That's when we do what we shouldn't do. She said, that's right. She said, now, who in here knows what the sin of omission is? A little boy raised his hand and said, the sin of omission is sins that you want to do, but you haven't gotten around to them yet. That's not the sense, sin of omission, okay? So let me teach it to you. The sin of commission is when we do what we should not do. So you break a commandment. Uh, you cross a line that biblically you know you shouldn't, wrong, uh, shouldn't cross. The sin of omission is where we change the word not. The sin of omission is not doing what you know you should do. We just went through the book of James about six months ago. In James chapter 4, verse 17, we talked about this verse. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Again, perfect example. You walk by a house that's on fire, but you don't call the fire department. Did you do something wrong? Absolutely. You know the Lord's leading you to share the gospel. To invite somebody on October 22nd. To get them involved in church. To start praying for them. To love them. To be generous with them. So that you'll have an opportunity to share why you're generous. Why you go to church. Why revolution is so different. And you don't do it. The sin of omission. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the last part of that verse says, how can they hear without someone telling them? How can they hear the gospel unless someone's going to tell them? If I could extend that out, how is anybody ever going to get plugged into a church unless someone invites them and goes with them? Y'all, we got to answer this call from without. My prayer for us this weekend is that over the next two weeks, that everyone at Revolution Church receives the spiritual gift of evangelism like you've never had it before, and maybe you've never had it before. And that God baptizes us with a burden and gets us out of our spiritual lazy boys, so to speak, and gets us out on the highways and byways in order to meet people and reach people for the glory of God.
Last thing I told you that I was praying for our church. First was burden, but second was boldness. You've heard me explain this before that, you know, I used to pray that God would uh, make me effective. God, I just want to be effective. I want to be effective at everything I want to do. I want to be a good preacher and I want to be a good pastor. and I want to be a good husband. But one day I was praying and I really think the Lord gave this to me. Maybe I heard it somewhere, but I think the Lord told me, stop praying for effectiveness and start praying for obedience. Because effectiveness is birthed out of obedience. So instead, what I pray for now is, God, please give me the strength to be obedient so that I can be effective. God, please give Rev Church a boldness. Give Rev Church the strength to be obedient so that we can go reach people in Crossville, Tennessee. Surely you didn't give us a movie theater that can seat 600 people a service so that we can get together and have us four no more and talk about the glory days. Surely you did that so that we can go as a church and reach more people. I was looking online this week at some famous last words, and these are kind of humorous. You know, you guys have heard the joke before. The famous last words of a redneck are, watch this, right? Famous last words of a redneck are, I wonder if it's loaded. I'll look down the barrel and see. Actually, a redneck would never look down a loaded barrel. That's, that's somebody else, right? And so famous last words. I wonder how much electricity these wires carry. I'll touch one and find out, right? Famous last words. I wonder whether this rope will hold my weight. Those are some famous last words. A famous last words. Listen, that's the train whistle. Step on the gas. I bet we can beat it across. Those are famous last words. Famous last words. Last one, last one. Uh, I guess that firecracker must have gone out. I'll go light it again. Famous last words, right? The worst last words that there could ever be. I wish, I wish I had reached more people when I had the chance. I wish, I wish I could have got more people into heaven. I wish I would have reached the person that I know God has put on my heart to reach. Don't let that be your last words. What did Jesus say? Matthew chapter 28. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What did Jesus say? You will receive power, a dynamic power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you to fulfill the Great Commission. James chapter 1, guys, let's be doers, not just hearers of the word. Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, same word, dynamic power, that is at work within us. We should go after lost people with the same reckless abandonment that Jesus had when he died for us on the cross. God, give us a spirit of boldness to go for broke with people that are lost. What are you willing to do, Rev Church? That's the question today you got to ask. What are you willing to do to make it hard to go to hell in Cumberland County, Tennessee? I'll close with this. I heard this quote this week, and I think this should be very convicting to some. Some of you guys, you need to get off the planning committee, and you need to get onto the production crew. It's time for you to start making a difference, and it starts right now this week when we go out. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, we love you.
We thank you for today. I thank you for every single person that is joining us online this week, uh, Revolution Church. Uh, God, maybe they didn't make it to church this week. Maybe they don't even live in Crossville, Tennessee. we got people that join us from California and even in other countries. And so, Lord, I pray that they take these calls seriously. That even in their context, wherever they are, they would do everything they can to try to win as many people as they can to the Lord. Because hell is hot and it's almost midnight. Time is short. Give us strength to be obedient so we can go reach the world. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. I'll see y'all soon. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.